I, <laughs> I, it was a bad step kid. I have since called her, just so you know, Lori, I have since called her and apologized, <laughs> but I would steal from her. <gasps> no, I you would. Didn't. You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Welcome to episode 232 of the Nacho Kids Podcast. It's just me today, folks. David is not here, so this will be brief. Our guest today is a stepmom from Pennsylvania. She has been blending for five years. She has four stepkids. They range in age from 12 to 23. And she has four bio kids, and they range in age from 19 to 30. The younger stepkids are with them 50-50, and she has one bio kid still living at the home full-time. The stepmom talks about how she has come to terms that she'll always be an outsider. That makes me sad. Thankfully, her husband is supportive of her role because he used to be a stepdad. And this stepmom was a stepkid herself. And she talks about some of the things that she did that weren't so nice to the stepmom. So y'all, let's get to listening. Today we have stepmom in Pennsylvania. Hey, stepmom in Pennsylvania, how are you? I'm good, Lori. How are you? Doing well, doing well. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about your blend. So I have been with my partner for five years. He has four children. They are now 23, 16, 14, and 11. I have four children as well, and mine are 30, 28, 26, and 19. The only children that live with us are my 19-year-old, who is going through nursing school currently, so we've probably got about another two years with him. And then my partner's three younger, which is the 16 stepson, 14 stepson, and 11-year-old stepdaughter. And we have them 50-50, so. Okay. Do you do week on, week off? Yes. Yes. That's easier than doing the two, two, three, or whatever that mess is. Oh, gosh, yes. Oh, gosh, yes. So I find it interesting that... First of all, one of the first things I noticed was your oldest and your youngest are 11 years apart. Yes. His oldest and his youngest are 11 years apart. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And these are by the same bio parents, correct? Correct. That's a big gap. Yes. And it looks like you're starting over. Yes. That's the biggest struggle. It's feeling like you're starting over. Yes. I know when David and I got married, he said that it was hard for him to feel like he was starting over because Jackson was five years younger than the triplets. Yeah. So did you feel like that before you got married? Was there any hesitation? Or did Um, did that just kind of, once you got into it, you're like, man, I feel like I'm starting over. This sucks. (laughs) Originally, it was a topic of discussion. and. My partner kept saying, you know, you know, I have little kids and I totally understood I can handle little kids. He's like, you know, they're 
bicker. I'm like, yes, they do bicker, but they grow up. And I was totally fine with it in the beginning. I've heard you say in the past on past podcasts and in the community that it seems like every seven years you start over. So we haven't, or not that you start over, that you get more, it's between five and seven years when you kind of get comfortable. Mm -hmm. And so it's been five years and we're still not there where we're, it's, it's, I think with the, his children being teenagers, it is more of a struggle now than in the beginning. So, but we did talk about it. I completely understand that. And I think a lot of times when we say five to seven years, we don't take into account that, oh, you met the kids when they were eight and now they're 13 at year five. Yes. Because that can definitely impact how things are meshing, we will say. Yes. Yes. So what would you say right now are your biggest challenges? Is it the fact that they're teenagers and you've got two stepsons and a stepdaughter that's a teenager? I bet the stepdaughter is the most challenging. Uh, believe it or not, um, it's it's hard. It's it's all the way. It's it's all hard. However, the oldest boy completely ignores me. So there is a whole different nacho with that one. The second boy is a little bit easier going, and he's the most like his dad. So he's the easiest for me to get along with. And then the youngest, it's hit or miss with her. We deal a lot with alienation, even though my partner provides amply, let me just put it that way. He is the bad guy. And no matter what he does, his the, the children's mother never has anything nice to say about him. Mm-hmm. It's always just more, more, more. So the kids come with that attitude and they also have a better than attitude. So that is sometimes hard to overcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have recently been reading besides devouring every podcast and doing the Academy and things like that, devouring anything I can get my hands on. And I have recently two things that get me through. One is the flow chart that you have on your site mm-hmm. that if it's going to cause me stress, don't do it. Right. The youngest one never says thank you for anything ever, ever, ever. And I am a big please thank you person. So if I know that I'm not going to get a thank you. I have to start off with that. Recently, she just had a birthday and I took her and we had a girl's day and I took her to get a pedicure for the first time ever in her life. And it's such a treat for me. That's one of my self-care things. Yes. So I wanted to share that with her. And then I took her out to lunch and nowhere in that time did she ever say thank you which is fine. I knew I wasn't going to get the thank you. So there's a lot of things that I do that with the knowledge of, 
I am always going to be on the outside. I'm never going to be accepted on the inside. And I have come to terms that I am okay with that because I'm still being me. So when it comes to being ignored in my house, that's really hard. But there again, do I really want them to talk to me? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you have to weigh that. And a lot of times people say, well, they don't talk to me. They completely ignore me. You know, that's not always a bad thing. Right. And and I I mean, I know it's difficult. Don't get me wrong. But would you rather them be snotty towards you? Correct. No. Correct. And the thing is with them, we'll say ignoring you, there's no negative interaction. Right. Now, them ignoring you could be considered negative, but, and tell me if I'm wrong with this, but when you say they they ignore you, it's not like you talk to them and they don't respond. It's just they don't acknowledge you. Correct. Yes. If I speak to them, it depends on the child. The oldest boy, the 16-year-old, if he does respond, it is completely in a mumble as he's walking away. So his is more... In yeah, I don't even want to talk to you at all mm-hmm. kind of way. The other ones, if I speak to them, they do, they, they will acknowledge me and, and answer me. Right. Now, with your bio kids, did you ever go through a phase with them or did they ever go through a phase where they mumbled their responses to you? That is a good question. No, no, they they would seclude themselves in their rooms, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, all teenagers go through that. However, the relationship I have with my kids is very, I've always been mom and dad. Mm-hmm. So it is It is much easier if they are in a mood. I have always had an open door policy. And, you know, if my girls were crabby, hey, guess what? I got you a chocolate bar. Why don't you go take a nap? And they were fine with that. So I knew kind of where I could be with my kids. So it's definitely much different. Right. I'm thinking, I wish somebody would give me a chocolate bar and say, go take a nap. That's awesome. <laughs> it's e- it's easier with the girls because I am a girl. Right. The boys were a little bit more difficult, but for the most part, we've always had like an open door communication. So like if something is bothering them, if they're, you know, uncomfortable with the situation, they've always been able to come to me. The communication on my partner's side is quite different. It is a don't ask, don't tell policy. Okay. So it's not the open door. Correct. So let's talk about this for a second. Your interaction with your stepson, 16. Since you've learned a nacho, have you stopped initiating any type of conversation with him so you don't get that mumbling feedback that drives you crazy? Yes. Yes. And there are times where I have taken him to work And it is an awkward 20-minute ride. (laughs) Been there, done that. (laughs) You know, and and I, again, I even offered, he just got his permit. I even offered, you know, hey, would you like to drive? Just kind of extending olive branches, understanding that, you know, if it gets thrown back in my face, then 
you know, it gets thrown back in my face. It's not blatant disrespect, but it is an obvious. I have no desire to have any kind of relationship with you. And that's fine. Right. On my end, only because of nachoing. Yeah. And it's not easy to nacho. Correct. But it gets easier with time. Correct. When I was growing up, if an adult asked you something and you didn't respond or you mumbled, you were in trouble. Yes. That was disrespectful. Yes. But I think as a society and as a parent and a step parent, we've lowered our expectations. I would agree with that. We all grew up saying yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. I also think it is part of parenting because I am very big on saying please and thank you. One of my love languages is words of affirmation. So hearing the the thank you is letting me know that I am loved and obviously his kids don't love me (laughs) yet. If they will ever, it's up to them. It's totally fine. I find that I'm also a grandmother. My youngest daughter, who is 28, has two kids. And then my son, who's 26, has a daughter. And they are very big on make sure you tell Gigi thank you. So they also have inputted that into their parenting. Mm -hmm. I do think it boils down to parenting. I do. My partner has guilty parent syndrome, even though in my eyes, he is a very present father. He provides above and beyond what the court, you know, says he should. And there is never a thank you for him. Um, This past Christmas, his parents aren't really his his dad and his stepmom aren't really well off and they went out of their way and got all of the teenagers or all of the kids a pretty good chunk of money for christmas and one of the things that his stepmom said was you know not one of his kids said thank you the other grandkid did and his kids didn't so i did bring it up to him and he feels very trapped in that there is alienation going on so that he cannot really enforce things with his kids. So it's almost like there's a free for all here, whatever they want, they get whatever they do. You know, it's okay if they don't say thank you. And I can't care more than the bio parent. And that has been a big struggle for me as well. And just recognizing that it is not a reflection of me has been huge. You know, would I like it to be different? Would I like him to have a better relationship with his kids? Yeah, but I can't fix what I didn't break. So, right. So there is a difference, but there is a difference in parenting as well. Now, I will say that I have seen kids within the same home that were parented, we'll say basically the same, and some say thank you and some don't. Correct. Yes. So the middle, the second son, he does tell me thank you if I do something nice for him. He he does. He's never he's never asked, but he doesn't go out of his way to mm, have a relationship with me. But he does appreciate. Like if I make something for him special for dinner, he will 
he will say thank you. And he is the only one. So it's not totally across the board, but. Right. And with your love language being words of affirmation, it makes it difficult. Yes. And my love language is acts of service. And I do have to remind myself that with acts of service being my giving and receiving love language, that I do it for me. I don't do it for other people or for their thank yous. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Which is hard, but only because of Nacho, I'm learning that. Yeah. So how long have you been in the Academy? So probably uh, a little over a year, I want to say. And were you in the Facebook group before that? I was before that, but once I got in the academy, I did get out of the Facebook group. It's night and day, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. What would you say is the best part about being in the academy? There's so much, Lori, and I'm not just saying that because I'm on the, you know, this call with you, but it, it, the journaling, the challenges helping me to see the things that I have that I am grateful for. It kind of has taken the focus off of when my partner has an issue with the kids. Um, You know, one of them doesn't want to come, you know, he has to call the police, whatever, you know, it's, it, it can get hairy some weeks. So whenever he has an issue or he's been wronged, or I feel like he's been wronged, I would always take it to him. Well, your kids did this or your ex did this and da, 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 da. And he really felt like he was in the middle. He was being pulled by his ex. He was being pulled by his kids. He was being pulled by his job. And then here I was another thing for him to manage. Right. And I think you've talked about David being in that as well. So I took a step back, looked at, well, why is this an issue for me? And I had a lot of insecurities and I had a lot of jealousy because he provides for his children in the way that I wish my children's father would provide for my children. He provided a life for his ex that I wish my ex would have provided for me and my family. And it's almost like he is Have you ever gone to a thrift store and found something that you've been wanting for a really long time and it's practically brand new and it is still in the box and it's marked down and you can't believe anybody would get rid of it? Right. Yeah. That's kind of how I look at my partner. So when when things are going bad for him, I want to take up for him. I want to pick up the sword and I want to fight for him. Right. But that just is more pressure on him. So the Academy really taught me to take a step back and focus on myself, focus on the things that I can change, the things that, you know, it's at the end of the day, how his kids turn out, it's not a reflection of me. I can't care more than he does. If he doesn't want them to say thank you, they don't have to say thank you. They are his kids at the end of the day. So the Academy has really helped me to step back and focus on the areas where I can improve. It's very hard to say anything in particular, but we, there for a while, every week when his kids would come, it would start on the Thursday before they came. We would feel this tension build. Friday they came. By Saturday, Sunday, he and I were usually at odds because Mm -hmm. 
whether pickup didn't go well or somebody had an attitude or there was something. And I would always make it, I would make it about me. And since going through doing the reading, listening to the podcast, doing all the self-growth that I'm doing, it's not about me. And I take myself out. And if it's too much, I go to him and I say, hey, you know, this is kind of triggering my whatever it is, my jealousy, my insecurity, my whatever feeling I'm having, I let him know as like just an informational kind of thing. And then he's able to take that and say, okay, thank you for telling me. And either not not take focus from his kids, but pay more attention to the fact that I'm kind of going through it too. And instead of me pulling on him, we kind of support each other through it because I also recognize that the alienation for him is equally as hard. So with me not adding to it and just letting him know where I am, we work through it together. And so by Wednesday, Thursday of our week with the kids, we're back on track, but then we're looking forward to Friday, or at least I am. Mm -hmm. And then the kids go home and then we have another good week. So it's a crazy cycle. It is. It is. And nobody prepares you for that cycle. Yes, you have kids. Yes, they bicker. But do they really... Originally, I told him, though, before I found Nacho, I had told him, I don't want to raise any any other kids. Like, I've done it. I've had to be mom and dad, and I don't want to raise any kids. And so he does really good with making sure he cooks dinners the weeks that the kids are here. Um, they do not have chores at our house, but he will, if there's a sink full of dishes, I'll tell him, hey, can you come help me? do the dishes instead of getting worked up and throwing things around, which is something that, you know, the academy taught me. Yes, I wanted to nacho, but I didn't know how until the academy. So it is really, instead of getting mad about things, I just ask for help. Right. And it's, to me, I apply this, what we've learned with the nacho in every aspect of my life. Yes. and. I can't, I I mean, I know we created it, but it's still one of those things that I'm so thankful for because it really did change my life, not just our blended life, but I can go to the grocery store, which I do not care for, and I have a calmer sense about me than I used to. Yes. Yes, very much so. Very much so. The other thing I think was a benefit of being in the academy is the coaching calls that you and David do. I have very vivid memories of really going through it with the family and hiding in my closet and talking with you guys and just being almost talked off the ledge. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's listening to you guys and how, how you are now, uh, even though there still might be times where you you run into his ex or have to deal with your ex, like you guys tackle it together. And just seeing that, okay, there are successful couples out there. Also hearing other people's struggles in those coaching calls. Like I, there have been a couple of women that, oh my gosh, that's me. Oh my gosh. And then the advice that you guys gave to her, I'm like, oh, I'm going to write that down. So those coaching calls really, really helped. 
I think the coaching calls are my favorite. Well, I love the challenges too, but yes. the coaching calls is because I feel like that's where we can connect better with y'all. Yes. And a lot of times, I know you've seen it. If you've been on the coaching calls, someone's in a really bad place and it honest to God just touches my heart and I want to fix it for them. Yes. And one thing I've learned through us doing this coaching is I can't care more than the person. Yes. <laughs> and, yes. And that's hard too because you're like, dang it, I want to help you. But there are still a slight few that they're just reluctant to see how they are impacting things. Yes. And that took me the longest to figure out. In fact, Lori, it it was four years of me not seeing where I was the problem, mm-hmm. how I was adding to the problem. So some people, it just takes a little longer. Maybe they're a little stub- more stubborn. Maybe they, you know, have had a little bit more trauma in their past that they don't want to look at. Mm-hmm. But the tools in the academy really are helpful. If you are willing to do the work, they really are. Yeah, there's a lady in the academy that she actually rejoined the academy. She said, I've just decided it's going to be a way of life and I need to stay in here. But it was so funny. There were times on the coaching calls that she would say, I don't like you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) you're not here for you to like me. You're here to get help. Yes. And we could tell the moment it clicked with her. Yes. You could just see her shoulders rise up because the weight was lifted off. And she's like, oh, I get it. Yes. And that is so thrilling for us. Yes. That aha moment of, oh my gosh, this is what Lori and David have been talking about this whole time. Why didn't I do this before? You feel so much better. You do. You feel like a huge weight is lifted off your shoulders. Absolutely. Now, was your husband on board with you joining the academy or are you not showing? Oh, he thinks. (laughs) (laughs) And and I do, he is supportive of my role because in the marriage with his ex, he was also a stepdad. Okay. So he understands the struggle. He does not, he, he's not, he didn't want to do any of the, the challenges with me or be on any of the coaching calls. I actually really, really, really wanted him to do a coaching call with you and David to explain the guilty parent syndrome. Like Mm -hmm. I really, even if I still could get him to do that, that would be amazing. It it seemed like every time I would go through some growth prior to my aha moment, Mm -hmm. I would come to him with all these new ideas to how we're going to fix his problems. (laughs) (laughs) And so it would just create more problems because it was something else I was asking from him. And everybody is already asking enough of him and he cannot, he could not do anymore. So he was a little overwhelmed with my Hey, you've got to listen to this podcast. This is, you know, something that we're going through. And and he kind of looked at it as all of the podcasts that I was listening to were kind of creating problems where we didn't have problems before. But now uh. that 
Yes. So now that I have had my aha moment, hey, he's not the problem I am or the way I look at the situation is the problem. It has gotten a lot better. He is more receptive to listen to snippets, not the whole thing, Mm -hmm. but he's more receptive to listen to snippets and be like, okay, let's talk about that. So it has, it has been a long road, but I think he's starting to see that you keep doing the same thing. You're going to keep getting the same results. So let's kind of maybe look at switching things up, but he has to see it. I can't. I can't do it for him. Right. And if you just say kind of forced him to listen to a podcast or the Guilty Parent Syndrome course in the academy, he's going in defensive. Yes, exactly. And that was huge. In fact, I just listened to a podcast yesterday and I, forgive me, I don't remember her name, but you had the author about listening. Oh, yes. Yes. And she had brought up about how a lot of times when we're listening, we just kind of like jump into the middle of the movie and we've missed the first 20 minutes. So you have to go back and kind of get the beginning to understand. And every time a conflict comes up, I have noticed that I have to re-show him that I'm coming from a place of love and I'm not coming from a place of attack. And that has really dialed down his defensiveness Mm -hmm. because he's seeing that I'm not attacking him. I'm not giving him a to-do list. I'm not giving him orders on how to live his life. I'm being supportive and giving him a different perspective. Right. Because when we say something as simple as maybe you should talk to little Johnny about what his plans are after high school, they hear you're a crappy dad. Why haven't yeah. you already addressed this? Yes. And I told David, we need to do a course on what you say and what people hear. Yes. And we're also going to do a challenge on expectations. Perfect. I joke that we should not have any expectations of our stepkids. Right. But the more I think about it, it's true. Why do we have expectations of people in general? That's something that's only creating resentment and disappointment. Yes. Now, granted, you can have expectations the stepkids aren't going to sneak in your room in the middle of the night and kill you, but (laughs) we have expectations that people on the road won't text and drive. Right. We have expectations that McDonald's is going to get our order right. Correct. And all we're doing is setting ourselves up to be angry. Which is where the Nacho Academy comes in because it does, you guys do. I mean, you might not have it in there, but it's in there. As far as not having expectations, I know in the videos, you guys have talked about it Mm -hmm. and it really is like, do you know what? If they never, you know, let's say, you know, 20 years from now and they're married and they have kids and they choose to not come around and see their dad, then, you know, that's their choice. Just not having those expectations of, and, and I was a stepdaughter. So okay, I know, (laughs) I know that there were things that I did 
just because she she wasn't my mom. And I really felt like I really did feel like my stepmom took my dad away from me because mm-hmm. my parents' divorce was very tumultuous and he wouldn't call and he wouldn't send birthday cards. And the only time he talked to me was when I would fly out there for visitation. So I always thought that my stepmom took my dad away from me. Well, two years ago, he actually left my stepmom for a younger woman. And I still talk to my stepmom this day to this day. And I do not talk to my dad because it was my dad all along. So you never oh. know. You never know. Yeah. And see, now I'm going to say this. If you have a bad relationship with your ex, do not let that prevent you from calling your child. Correct. You are choosing to not deal with your ex and making that more important than the relationship with your kid. Yes. And I would walk through the fires of hell to see my son or to even tell him I love him. Do you think that that is the difference between a mom and a dad? I've thought about this, and I don't know that it's a difference between a mom and a dad as much as it's the difference between someone that has more hate for their ex than they do love for their kid. Does that make sense? Yes. So, for instance, if your hate for your ex outweighs the love for your kid, you're not going to go that extra mile. But I will say, I know a lot of dads, and sorry dads, we're not bashing y'all, but it's just from experience. A lot of dads will say, well, I'm not picking little Johnny up on Wednesday night just to take him to dinner. It's going to take me 30 minutes to get there, an hour for dinner, 30 minutes back, and I'm only spending an hour with him, but I've wasted two hours. But I don't look at it like that. I look at it as I would drive a hillbilly mile to see my son for five minutes. Right. I think before I married David, I would have agreed that it's mainly the mom versus dad thing, but I know what David would do for his kids. Yeah. It's something to think about, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. But it's it's the kid that suffers when the bio parent says, well, I'm not calling to talk to little Johnny because his mom is going to answer the phone. There are ways around that. You could text and say, can you have little Johnny call me? And then if the ex goes crazy, well, blah, 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 whatever, then you can actually get it put in the court order that you're required to have so many calls with the kid. Now, granted, you know how I feel about the court system and enforcing court orders, but yes, there are ways around it. And I feel like too many parents just, I don't want to say give up on their kids, but they just choose not to be involved because they don't want to deal with the ex. I think our situation, we, I have, again, pulled, if I find out somebody is a stepmom um, or in a toxic, I say toxic, uh, divorce, mm-hmm. we have a couple of friends that are kind of going through it with the uh, We'll say we'll just say toxic bio mom, mm-hmm. and I will say that 
with my partner, his ex, to his face is very nice to his face most of the time. Like she has blown up and been extremely ugly. I'm not, I'm not saying she hasn't, but she recently called him and asked him to go buy a car with her because she knows that he's a numbers guy and he wouldn't let her get ripped off, which thankfully he said no. However, she had the audacity to ask. The issue is to the kids, she is very... He's not a good guy. He does dangerous things. He likes to race and do go-karts and things like that. And so it's very dangerous. You know, you're going to get hurt over there. It's very much a bad-mouthing situation. But then, like I said, to his face, she's very gimme, 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 and I'm going to be nice to you. Mm -hmm. So when the kids come... He has said it almost feels like he has to grovel for any kind of love because the not only do they ignore me, I guess I should have said this before, but they also ignore him as well. He will make dinner, they will get their plates, and they will go to their room. And he'll say, hey, guys, why don't we eat together? And they're just like, yeah, no thanks. And they go to their room and they eat. So he... He does try, but I think he is just paralyzed with the guilty parent syndrome. Like he just, and I can also see too, where with the court system, a lot of fathers are like, why do I even bother? Yes. And so they give up that way as well. And being the daughter that I was growing up in the house that I grew up with the father that I had, it's very hard for me to let these kids treat me how they treat me and then also be their biggest cheerleader and tell him, do not give up on them. Whatever you do, do not give up on them. So it's a struggle. But again, the Academy has really helped with all of it and putting it in perspective and taking myself out and just using my examples of life and the love that I have for my kids and, you know, having to be mom and dad for them to, mm-hmm. you know, hey, listen, you've you've got at least both parents willing to be there. Like, I think more so the hate is more on his ex's side she hates him more than she loves the kids. Right. And he just kind of doesn't want to deal with it. But, you know, I just keep listening to all the podcasts and keep reminding him that they will grow up. They will see the truth. And at the end of the day, all you have to answer for is how you showed up. Exactly. Now, did this parental alienation crap start off as far back as you remember being in the relationship or is it something that started when y'all got married? So it actually started prior to the separation. He worked out of town and he has literally clawed his way up to the top and in his company and he would go out in the field and he would work and then come home on the weekends. And There's a story that his oldest told us that she, his ex sat 
down all four kids and said, do you want me to leave your dad? So everybody said yes, except for the youngest. And I think she was probably six at the time. And so I think the alienation of your dad is the enemy started prior to the separation. She's very much a controlling personality. They used to go to church all the time. They didn't participate in Halloween at all because it was Satan's holiday, but it was just a way to control my partner. And the year after they separated, she posted pictures all over Facebook of her dressing up. So (laughs) not only (laughs) did she, you know, go back on it's Satan's holiday, it, you know, she, fully dressed up as a pirate. So it, it, it's, I think it definitely started prior to it gets worse depending on how much I hate to say this, but how much money she's getting at the time, if she's getting a lot of money and he's doing a lot for her financially, then things are not as bad, but mm-hmm. he's always the bad guy. So, yeah. Now I know that this puts the kids in a horrible situation. Yes. And like you said, as long as your partner keeps being himself. Yes. They may realize in 10 years, it may be 20 years, it might be after he's dead. But they will see, wait a minute, my dad's not this person that my mom said he was. Yes. Yes. And actually, there are a lot of people coming out now um, with platforms that are children of parents who alienated the other parent. And that is becoming more known. And so I think that, you know, the more you know, the better off you are. So doing all the research as a new stepmom or someone who's considering dating someone who has children do the research now like you know look into it have open honest discussions and make sure that you guys are on a solid foundation before you take the plunge because it's it's a lot and there are a lot of things that come up that you're like, like yeah I wasn't expecting that and I wasn't prepared for that right Now, I have a question, and you may not know the answer. We can assume the answer, but we're going to talk about it. Why does your husband contribute more than he is court-ordered to when the ex is going to talk crap about him regardless? (laughs) That is a great question. I don't know. that, That bothers me to no end. Like, why do you feel the need? need to give and give and give and give when all you get back is bad mouthing and attitude and just grief. Mm-hmm. And he, I think this school year we're really going to see because she actually homeschooled the kids originally. And because they separated, she hurry up and put them into school. So he would not be able to get 50 50 custody. He was living about an hour and a half away uh, for work. 
So that's, so, you know, he wouldn't be able to say, well, I can homeschool them part-time too. So she's always done underhanded things. And, and really what it boils down to is those kids are a paycheck. And I, and I hate to say it so bluntly and matter of factly, I know everybody says their, their partner's ex is this or is that, but she charges the oldest son who is 16 gas money to take him back and forth to work because she, he only has his permit. So she charges him gas money. The 16 year old? The 16 year old. Yes. But yet he got a letter this year, this past year for almost being truant. So meaning not going to school. Now, right. This whole past year, he has not been coming to our house. Just recently this spring, my partner had to call the police and say, listen, this is court ordered. She doesn't have him ready at the at the appointed time. I want him at my house. And um, he does try to balk and say he doesn't want to come, but my partner has gotten him to come with the threat of calling the police again. And so then he does come. So it's not about a responsibility thing, because if it was teaching him responsibility by charging him gas money, then she would make him go to school and not just let him stay home whenever he wants to and end up getting a truancy letter. So the kids really are a paycheck for her. And so why does he continue to give? Again, I really think it goes back to the guilty parent syndrome. I think he wants his children's approval and he wants them to see, hey, listen, I'm still here regardless of what she says about me. I'm still going to do for you. And he is very, he understands that these kids are his responsibility. So if they're lacking in something, then at the end of the day, he is responsible for them. But she won't ever say that to them and they won't see it until probably they become parents themselves. Right. Now, I'm assuming they know that he pays child support. Yes. Oh, but it's not enough. (laughs) She worked three days a month, by the way. Oh, gosh. (laughs) And so they could easily see it as, my mom is struggling because my dad isn't paying her enough. Correct. Correct. But they live in a a lake house. They live on a lake. Oh. Yes. With 10 acres of property. Wow. Yes. So, I mean, she's not struggling too, too bad. Right. Yeah. Do you know if he's ever, and I'm not saying that you should do this, but I'm curious. Do you know if he's ever said something to the effect of, look, I pay your mom above and beyond what the court has said I need to pay her? Or does he just avoid those conversations? He definitely avoids, but we, from day one, do not, we do not defend ourselves at all. He does not defend himself because it is almost like putting her down and he absolutely refuses to put her down regardless of what he thinks of her. That's still his kids' mom's. Like when I say he's very respectful of that, he really, really is. We do not say anything about her to the children at all. Right. We had a lady on the podcast talking about parental alienation. And that was one of my questions is, do you say, well, not necessarily that your other bio parents lying, but just say, well, I do pay child support and that's supposed to help raise you. Right. 
And she said that if you say something like that, they look at it as you're calling their other bio parent a liar. Yes. Or they're thinking you're just making up crap. So it really does no good. Right. Whereas we would think, hey, if I can explain this to them and show them, look, I pay your mom such and such each month for you and your brothers, sisters, whatever, and she's getting plenty of money from me, then it just puts the kids in a bad situation. Yes. Now, I firmly believe if the kids ask you something, you should be honest with them. Correct. And you can be honest without bashing her or saying anything negative about her. Correct. And I'm glad that your husband doesn't say anything like that to them. But when they get older, it might be a discussion that he feels that they can handle or they may ask. Yes. And he has said, you know, when they turn 18 or, you know, when they're older, if they if they have questions, he would absolutely let them know. But as of mm-hmm. right now, yeah. And 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 it's fine because it is going to come off. And that was originally the problem. Well, why don't you tell the kids that you're doing X, Y, and Z? And, you know, it took my aha moment for me to say, okay, you know what? These are his kids. He's got to do it his way. Right. And the last thing he wants to do is try to say, look, I'm a good guy because your mom's a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So then I do, I do opposite things. Like I will, if we are talking about something, I will start bragging about how amazing their dad is. Yes. You know, I'll just be his biggest cheerleader. You know, your dad's the coolest dad in the world. Look at what he did for you. And, and I'll, I'll put those little things in there. And even if they're all in the room and I'm being ignored, I'll still compliment him on something. Hey, that was really nice of you. Thank you so much. So, because I, I do think that you teach people how to treat you. So if, you know, my partner and I are being a good example as far as how our relationship should be and how, you know, everyone should treat me and how everyone should treat him. Then eventually, you know, the hope is that, you know, they come around and say, you know, Hey, thank you so much for all you did for me. And you were a good stepmom. but if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen, but maybe it will. Right. And here's the thing. Regardless, you know that you did your best and you know that you were not mean to these kids intentionally or did anything to hurt them. So you know the truth. Yes. I've got so many questions for you. How did your kids and his kids get along? Because when you got married, um, they were, let's see. His oldest was 18, your oldest was 25, so they were already out of the house. Yes. So his oldest, like I've tried to, my second daughter lives out of state, so she's not really around, but I tried to have his oldest daughter and my oldest daughter. Like we've gone on lunch dates and it it was very awkward. Just, it was just very awkward. Mm -hmm. But they're cordial. Like if they see each other at Thanksgiving, you know, they do say hi the other children, the the smaller three, do not talk to my kids at all. In fact, my youngest son went to the same school as his kids. And obviously, we moved back to this side of town so he could get 50-50 custody. 
so my son graduated from the school that his kids are going to Mm -hmm. and they would see each other in the hall. And at first my son would kind of like give him a head nod and they would just look away. So then he just stopped. They, they don't talk. It's very awkward. There's no, hi, how are you doing? It is, it, it is very hard and awkward when all of the kids are here. It can be awkward. It can be yeah. very awkward. Has your son said anything to you? Because he was 14, I guess, when y'all got married or started blending. Has he said anything to you like, mom, it bothers me that they don't talk to me? Or is he just kind of like, whatever? He's just kind of like, whatever. He yeah. is. Like, if they if they needed something, like, he would absolutely do it. You know, if, you know, they needed help. I don't even know, like, moving something or something. And they came and said, hey, can you do this? He would absolutely do it. But just to start, sit on a couch and, like, they all video game. Mm-hmm. and to play video games in the same, the same game. Yeah, no, it just, there is. There's, there's no relationship just, there. Yeah. Nothing, nothing. I know there was one lady um, that we worked with and it drove her crazy and broke her heart that her stepkids and her bio kids did not get along or interact. And I, I can get it. I, I get how frustrating that can be. Yes. But at the same time, we have to realize these are strangers, basically. Yes. They didn't date each other. They may have no desire whatsoever to have a relationship with each other. And I think it's easier for me because my kids are older mm-hmm. and, you know, they they understand more. So... Like I said, other than holidays, it, it's really, it's really not, not a big deal just because of the big, huge age gap as well. Right. But I know somewhere in your heart, you're thinking, I wish they would all just get along and everybody just be a family to a degree. Just friends. I would, yeah. I would take, I would take a an acquaintance type thing to say hi and be friendly, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. And you can't change that. Yeah. We're not supposed to like everybody and not everybody's supposed to like us. And I know siblings, blood siblings that don't have relationships. Yes. But if you focus on that, it can tear you apart. Yes. And I think that's one thing that you've learned. Yes is if you focus on the bad, that's all you're going to see. Correct. And then we can get into the whole power we have over our mind, which just astonishes me. Also, I think it's important that we teach our kids, and I'm sure that you've done this without even knowing it probably, that, hey, just because they choose not to have a relationship with you doesn't mean something's wrong with you. Right. Don't take it personally. Enjoy your life. Enjoy your friends. They're not abusive to your kid. They just don't have any interaction. Which is also the lesson that I learned for me as well. You know, I can't take it personally. So you're exactly right. Yeah. And it's hard not to take it personally. It is so hard. Some days, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not even, it's it's a struggle. It's every week there is a new struggle. And it, 
really just boils down to self-care, journaling, remembering the positive things, you know, all of the things that I learned in the academy. And it does help get you through. And then on the weeks that they're not here, it's kind of like, okay, let's regroup and talk about the week and what could we do different? What can I do to support you? And, you know, we just grin and bear it for the next six years and 10 months. (laughs) Are you doing the countdown? I'm doing the countdown. Now you realize when they turn 18, they don't disappear. Correct. (laughs) But you're hoping they'll just choose not to come anymore. (laughs) No, it's not even that. It's not even that. It's once they're 18, it it, it will just be different. Oh, it's going to be a lot different when she's not getting that money. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then I will be able to say, if the need arises, you know, I will be able to say, you know, you were dumb. You sent the best thing ever to the thrift store and you were dumb. Yeah. Now, you said you were a stepchild. Yes. How old were you when your parents split up? I was 11. Yes. And did both your parents remarry? So my dad remarried before my mom and my mom remarried a couple of times. She, God rest her soul, she had a very hard life and never found the healing, you know, her trauma growing up. So she did marry a couple of times. So, you know, stepdads came and went and if they were nice, they were nice. If they weren't nice, I went off and did my own thing. So, yeah. But you were more involved, I guess, with the stepmom. So, that is funny. I <laughs> I it was a bad stepkid. I have since called her just so you know, Lori, I have since called her and apologized. <laughs> But I would steal from her. <gasps> no, I you would. Didn't. I did. And because I felt like she stole my dad. So if you're gonna steal my dad, I'm stealing your stuff. And I would I would take makeup, I would take shoes, I would take if there was something in her house that I wanted, I would take it back with me to my mom's. I would. I would. Yeah. I, I'm glad you bring this up because we see a lot of stepkids that steal from the step parents. Yeah. And that could be the reason why. Yeah. You know, and and a lot of times I do take that to my partner and I say, listen, you know, yes, I'm nachoing. I'm triggered right now. I'm going to go to my bedroom or I'm going to go to my girlfriend's house. You need to spend time with your kids. And I really think that sometimes he doesn't understand because he thinks I'm escaping and I don't want to be part of his family. But no, your kids need to see you on a one-on-one so that they know that I'm not taking you away from them and that you are here and that you are always going to be their dad. Right. So, I mean, I definitely take, you know, things from my past and they, they will benefit his kids. So, yeah, because if a stepmom comes in and they feel like everything should be done as a family. Then those kids lose out on that individual time with their bio parent. Right. And it's so important for them to have that. I even think in a nuclear family, 
it's important for the mom to have alone time with the kids and the dad to have alone time with the kids. Correct. You've got to foster those relationships. Yes. Yes. And now that my youngest is 19, I am not any longer legally responsible for him. Mm -hmm. So I kind of have like this empty nest thing where sometimes, you know, if the kids are, you know, they're doing a lot, if they're or, you know, downstairs or whatever they're doing. And I need, oh, listen, I'm kitted out now. Mm-hmm. So then I, I can take my space and, and do the same thing. You know, it's, it's beneficial. Um, sometimes he doesn't see it that way, but that's exactly what it is, is you need time with your kids and I need time without them. Right. And it's okay. Are you an introvert? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yes. <laughs> and I need that downtime. Yes. I have to have it. Like, we had five boys here between David's kids (laughs) and my son. And sometimes I just needed even 60 seconds of quiet. Yes. To regroup, to recharge, because it drains me. Yes. I bet your husband's an extrovert. More so than I I am. Right. So it's harder for him to understand why you need that alone time. Yes. Which I value my alone time. Yes. Yes. So you've apologized to your stepmom, and she was probably like, it's okay, honey. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> Does she know you don't talk to your dad? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she knows. Your dad hasn't tried to reach out to you or anything? No. No, because I know the truth. He started going to church, and my stepmom did not want to go and he found his new wife in church and they would do church things together and he wanted my stepmom to do these things with him and she wouldn't so then he trumped up excuses and lied and then told everybody she left him told everybody she took all his money and none of it's true and I know the truth and I when it comes to when it comes to my dad like I don't I don't mince words at all. Mm-hmm. And because I called him on his truth, he doesn't oh. he doesn't want to talk to me because it'll make him look bad to his church friends and he cannot look bad. So, yeah, so I still talk to my stepmom. She is down to earth, you know, she is I wouldn't say we're like best friends, but, you know, she gets a happy birthday. She gets a happy Mother's Day. And then Mm -hmm. if something's going on and she actually has a really close relationship with um, my second daughter and because my second daughter actually lived with them for a little while after she turned 18. And so they got pretty close. And um, yeah, she's still she's still grandma to my grandkids. And oh, yeah. So what about your second daughter? Does she have a relationship with your dad? No, no, because again, because we know the truth, like, like when you see someone blatantly lying and blatantly hurting people, you know, my dad is very conditional. Um, He has, let me think, he has eight grandchildren and he has two, three, four, five great grandchildren. And he, this past Christmas, he only sent one, my son, my older son, a Christmas card. Like nobody else got a Christmas card. None of his other grandkids got a Christmas card. And, um, you know, he made it known on Facebook. Hey, did you get my Christmas card? (sighs) Like it just, he's very conditional. 
you have to play by his rules or you don't play and everybody sees it. So, you know, nobody really, they just, it's sad. It's sad because the people in his life believe his lies and that's, yeah, that's what he's happy with. And I, I can't change it. And, you know, if he, you know, if he passes, I will mourn the loss of the father figure. But as far as the man that he is, no. And I think that's another reason why it's so hurtful to have my partner's ex be so awful to my partner because he does want to be dad. He does want to be in his kids' lives. He does want to teach them things. He does, you know, want them to turn out and not be scarred humans. He wants them to be whole and contributing members of society. And she is just cutting him at the knees every chance she gets. So it's hard to watch, you know, she has no idea, you know, what she's doing to her kids. She has no idea. And sometimes you wonder if she did have an idea, if she would care. Yeah. 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 That's a good question, which I'll be able to ask in six years and 10 months. (laughs) Yeah. You could be back on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So what is one piece of advice that you would give someone that has kids and is entering a relationship with someone else that has kids? And there's a high conflict by a mom involved. Ooh. Run is not an option. <laughs> yes. Boundaries. Discuss boundaries. Discuss. Listen to a couple of podcasts. Do what if scenarios. Talk about, you know, it's honestly what it boils down to is self healing and being able to communicate and start at the beginning, just like with the listening, start at the beginning instead of in the middle of the movie and say, you know, this is my this is my wish for us and you know talk about the hard stuff now in the very beginning before you guys move in because when it happens and you haven't talked about it and you don't have boundaries in place of hey when I feel triggered or I feel a certain way because of this we need to have a conversation. You know, I also going back to real quick, his defensiveness, when I say things that are affecting me and him getting defensive, you also have to recognize in the self-healing that when he says things to me, it's not my ex saying it to me. It's someone that I love. And when I say things to him, I am not his ex saying it to him. I'm someone that he loves. Yes. So it's when something triggers you, it's recognizing, okay, this person loves me. So what are they really saying? So it goes back to really listening. And so I would just say the number one advice is learn how to communicate. And it's hard to. Yes, very. It's hard to listen. It is. It is so hard to listen. And I think that's something that we all could practice. Yes. It's it's funny, though, because if you think about it in that aspect, how much do you truly listen? Yes. Like you said, and this that was very good advice, is your past hurts aren't coming from your current partner. Correct. And I know David was out of town one time, and I started having um, that past baggage kind of boil up in me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was getting too familiar with some bad things that had happened. And I had to remind myself, this is David. This mm-hmm. isn't your ex. Mm-hmm. 
This isn't you reliving the past. Yes. And you have to talk to yourself and tell yourself this stuff. It's, David shouldn't be punished for what my ex did. Yes. But it's important for him to understand why certain things are triggers to me. And you have to talk about these things yes. when it's not the heat of the moment. Yes. Yeah, yes. It's, it's important to talk about this stuff on a nice sunny day when nobody's frustrated and just hanging outside chilling. Yes. Yes. And have a conversation that, hey, listen, you know, prior to moving in, you know, things are going to happen. Mm-hmm. And when they do, this is this is what we need to do. We need to take a time out and sit down and say, okay, this is what's going on and fix it from there. But I think if you if you start out with the communication, like just like you and David, you know, you started going to see counselors and they told you, you know, hey, they're not your kids and you guys started this. Like there are we are lucky now that there are reasons resources out there now and start plugging in now. Yeah, we're actually on our list of to-do is kind of a before you blend course. Yes. Because there's so much that you don't think about until it happens. And also, I mean, this could apply to before you go to court, what you need in your court order. Because like with my son, he was so young, there was stuff that was put in there that I thought, oh, that's fine. But then as he got older, it's like, no, that was a bad idea. Yeah. And so you have to think about these things, even if your kid's five and your stepkid's 10. Yes. Okay. Are y'all going to buy the first car? Who's going to pay insurance? Mm-hmm. I know that sounds crazy to talk about when the kids are so young, but it's kind of something that needs to be addressed. And it doesn't have to be set in stone. It's more of how do you feel about these things? Yes. Realistically feel about those things. And the reason I say that is David and I took that 100 question questionnaire before we got married. And we had one answer that was different. One. But here's the thing. Those questions were for a nuclear family, not a blended family where we have GPS. Mm-hmm. So when you look at it, from that perspective, those answers wouldn't be the same now. I think they would still be the same in certain areas, like discipline, for example. If we had an hours kid, the answers would be the same. Yes. But when we talk about our kids with our exes, the answers would be the same because we both have that guilty parent syndrome. Yes. If that made any sense at all. <laughs> it does. It 100% does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Stepmom from Pennsylvania, it has been great having you as a guest on our podcast. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for all that you do, both you and David. It's a blessing to be able to help other people. And I always say that I pray that the tears that we shed and the pain that we went through is less tears and less pain that other people will have to go through. And you sharing your story is going to do the same and help people. Thank you. And just remember, you're doing great. And keep being your partner's biggest cheerleader. That's the best you can do. Thank you. I really can't express how much it means to us every time a member of the Nacho Kids Academy or a previous member of the Nacho Kids Academy tells us how much 
the Nacho Method has truly helped them. But please understand, when you join the Nacho Kids Academy, you have to do the work. Joining the Academy and not doing the work will do you no good. It's like joining Weight Watchers and not following the plan. It will do you no good. You have to put in the work. And it's not easy, but it is so rewarding in many ways, even outside of the blend. So if you too want help and want to change your blend for the better, go to NachoKidsAcademy.com and sign up today. Thanks for listening and join us next week when I say life is good when you nacho. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.